Euzu billahi mineşşeytanirracim. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Elhamdülillahi rabbil alamin. Vessalatu vesselamu ala seyyidina Muhammedin ve ala alihi ve sahbihi ecmaîn. Allahumme allimna ma yanfa'una ve anfa'na bima 'allamtana ve zidna ilmen nafi'a. Allahumme erinel hakka hakkan ve erzukna ittiba'a. وَأَرِنَا الْبَاطِلَ بَاطِلًا وَأَرْزُقْنَا اِجْتِنَابَهِ رَبِّ اشْرَحْ لِي صَدْرِي وَيَسِّرْ لِي أَمْرِي وَاحْلُ الْاُقْدَةَ مِنْ لِسَانِ يَفْقَهُ قَوْلِي Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome to the Reflections on the Risale-i Nur by Bed-Uz-Zaman Said Nursi podcast series. This is Mustafa Tuna. You can listen to the episodes of this series wherever you listen to your podcasts or at the website www.reflections-rn.org. A rough translation of the text we will be studying is also posted at this website. You can go to podcasts, then words, then the 12th word and scroll down to the relevant episode, inshallah. So we we are continuing with the 12th word. And as Ustad Nursi introduced at the beginning of that word, this treatise comprises a concise comparison of the sacred wisdom of the wisdomful Quran and the wisdom of philosophy, a brief summary of the lesson that it delivers to organize the personal and social lives of human beings, and an indication of the Quran's preponderance over other divine words and all speeches. So we covered the first and second of the four foundations, four sections uh, that this treatise is uh, made up of. The first one was a comparison of the wisdom of the Quran and the wisdom of, let's say, materialist science. The second one was a comparison of uh, the Quran's lesson, the wisdoms that the Quran offers in relation to a human being's personal life with the wisdoms, the lessons that uh, what is that Nursi identified as uh, European philosophy or or we may also call Western philosophy. But we went over this and talked about what that actually means. It does not mean philosophy in general. It does not mean Europe in general. It does not mean the West in general without uh, constraints. It means all of these things in a specific sense, in a sense that uh, issues from and has a and has a genealogy in uh, thinking and making sense of the world without reference to revelation and to the extent that uh, the ideas, wisdoms of that philosophy or that European um, science and wisdom issue from or agree with the wisdom of the revelation that is perfectly fine and that is something to embrace so we are now inshallah beginning with the third foundation of this treatise which is a comparison of the wisdom the lessons that the quran offers in relation to human beings social life and that of again uh, europe or the west or or Let's call it again materialist philosophy. Bismillah. Third foundation. Hikmeti felsefe ile hikmeti Kur'aniyenin hayatı içtimaiyeyi beşeriyeye verdiği terbiyeler. The lessons that the Quranic wisdom 
and the wisdom of philosophy each offer about the social life of human beings. Amma, hikmeti felsefe ise, hayatı içtimaiyede noktayı istinadı kuvvet kabul eder. Hedefi menfaat bilir. Düstur hayatı cidal tanır. Cemaatlerin rabıtasını unsuriyet, menfi milliyet tutar. Semeratı ise hevesat-ı nefsaniyeyi tatmin ve hacat-ı beşireyi teziddir. As for the wisdom of philosophy, it accepts force as the point of reliance or reference in social life. Its target is interest. It recognizes struggle as the normative principle of life. It takes factionalism and negative nationalism as the bond that holds communities together. Its fruit is to gratify the lower soul's vain desires and to increase humanity's needs. So let's try to go over these one by one. As for the wisdom of philosophy, that is materialist philosophy, a philosophy that is devoid of, deprived from, a higher entity, a higher and elevated, a lofty point of reference that could be the source of morality and law and lofty ideas and emotions and principles. A philosophy that is devoid of all of that, that reduces existence to matter. Matter without spirit, conscience, intellect, emotions, none of this, none of this, just matter, a continuous interaction of chemical substances, or at the more fundamental level, a continuous interaction of physicality. If that is reality, you live in a different world, in a world that is very different from the one that a believer lives in, right? So this is the philosophy that originates from and built on that materialist conception of the world. As for the wisdom of philosophy, it accepts force as the point of reliance in social life. Now, why do we have to talk about this? Why do we have to think of philosophy as materialist philosophy? Well, that was the dominant uh, form of philosophy or dominant form of philosophical thinking at the time Ustad Nursi came of age in the late 19th century and witnessed transforming the world. In the Ottoman Empire, most intellectuals, most intellectuals who graduated from the elite schools of the, the country graduated either as dedicated materialists who had made up their minds and decided to uh, believe in this consciously, or perhaps as still you know, religious people believing or thinking that they believed in God and religion, etc., etc., but reducing religion to a small box in their lives and letting material considerations regulate the rest of their lives and society. Is it different in our time? Depends on where you look. There are people uh, in the West, in the East, everywhere 
that are in search of something higher and beyond and above and and and that is spiritually satisfying spiritually fulfilling they were at the time too they were not ruling they they were not the dominant force so perhaps there may be more now however however we are living in such an age that even spirituality can be subverted and co-opted in the name of the gratification of the vain desires of the lower soul call it consumerism call it capitalism call it whatever you call it this is happening so perhaps there are less people who are devoted to materialism scientism etc etc at a philosophical level but the materiality of the world that has started to dominate people's lives secularity this escape from religion and lofty ideas is even more widespread so this is relevant perhaps even more relevant uh, provided that we understand it in the in a way that that indicates and highlights its its relevance to our times as for the wisdom of philosophy it accepts force as the point of reliance in social life or the point of reference in social life what do we mean by force um, it can be brute force or it can be power exercised in exercised in more subtle ways the point is do we accept that whoever has power whoever has the force whoever is the winner should take it take what's on the table and go or should we recognize higher laws regulations constraints that are going to limit our lives one way to think about this might be in in political science in political thought for instance the the introduction of uh, constitutions and constitutional rights liberalism emerged from that and that was an idea that was around at the time that Ustad Nursi was writing these things but it was not necessarily defining how the world should function yes liberalism was an idea that was uh, you know promoted quite a bit in uh, some European countries themselves such as uh, in the, the uh, United Kingdom England however this was not applied to the rest of the world it was seen as a luxury for a limited minority that was property or that was citizens of a certain country or that was uh, members of a certain uh, you know, racial uh, identification it was not recognized as a human right now what happened when it is when it was later on recognized as a human life uh, obviously that was a uh, an important and and good uh, step that humanity took right however however because the moral foundation that should consolidate it in in people's hearts was still missing and is still missing people who have force still rule the field we have many countries around the world the majority of the countries around the world are ruled by uh, you know, despotic authoritarian rulers i'm not going to say leaders because the word leader implies 
and some level of respect and acceptance by the larger population in many cases they rule as as um, agents of democratic regimes but the word democracy is reduced to elections and elections can be manipulated i'm not talking about fraud they can be manipulated people's consent can be manufactured people's agreement can be uh, manipulated and and and produced uh, people's actions decisions opinions can be manipulated and it is being done all the time through the control of uh, information uh, through the allocation of resources this is a problem that is afflicting humanity at a very large scale at the time Stadnosir was writing this it was imperialism imperialism and also local despotisms that uh, you know ruled many countries around the world so even if there were places where uh, the Europeans had not yet colonized the, the the peoples of those small communities were not necessarily living as equal uh, dignified members of a society that were there were uh, differentiating hierarchies that took away from the dignity of individuals the protection of dignity is one of the you know principles one of the foundational principles of of islam so as for the wisdom of philosophy it accepts force as the point of reliance or reference in social life again why because if there is no morality if there is no higher idea higher being to constrain those who have more force from doing what they want to do why should they be constrained right what is going to constrain them um, yes there are notions that you know one of the uh, foundations of liberalism would be that if everybody treats everybody else well everybody will be better and the society in general will be better etc etc but still there is nothing that's going to morally constrain those who find themselves in a position to abuse and exploit uh, others in this society other other than their individual conscience right but if you are going to deny the existence of conscience and if you are going to not attribute any function to it in organizing society then what are we left with material interest like an animal world like an animal world when when the lion goes to the prairie it does not think about the morality of eating the deer it's just hungry and goes and eats the deer right it does not uh, you know think about the morality of killing more than what it needs to eat now lions don't do it lions don't kill uh you know more deer than they they need to eat right but they don't do it out of a moral concentration they do it out of um economization of uh, of energy right they, they they don't feel like they should exert more effort than it is necessary to fill their stomach on the other hand there are other animals that are going to go and just kill so when we are when we talk about animals we we leave 
morality behind we, we we talk in a world where there is no morality when human beings are reduced to materiality again we are in a world where there is no morality left its target the the target of the wisdom of philosophy is interest and that for a very long time defined uh, you know one of the sciences and ways of thinking that regulated our lives it continues to to do so but there are some hiccups in that process now economy economy the foundational principle of the science of economy is that human beings are rational and rationality is defined by an urge a, a an intellectually an informed uh, process of decision make decision making the objective of which is maximizing interest or utility interest is the target the problem is if each and every individual thinks of maximizing interest personal interest as the target regardless of consideration for others interests what happens it used to be that uh, you know following on the dictum that one's rights start where another's end or one's freedom starts where another's end uh, we try to impose some constraint on you know freedoms the the notion of boundless freedom right but that is more often than not implemented as once or others rights start where my interests end and that's a very different conception of the world i mean think about the the nazis who thought that they were the the superhumans and there were others in the world who were you know beneath them and not worth uh giving a second consideration when it came to taking their possessions and belongings away and if they occupied a certain part of the world it was the right of the superhumans to go and take it living space they called this right they were the the the ones the members of humanity that had the vigor the superiority in life and it was perfectly okay to go and get land or resources from others to expand their living space the way animals do again there's a difference between interest and right a, a big difference between interest and, and and right a right is defined again by reference to a higher reality to morality to the greater good interest is defined by individual satisfaction now one might think further ahead and and say that well my interest rests in the improvement of the society as a whole improvement of humanity as a whole if everybody is good i'm going to be better etc etc but we do not think of interest in the long term we tend to think of it in the short term or medium term if everybody thought of their interests in the long term there would be no global warming there would be no environmental crisis today but there is and humanity as a whole seems to be incapable of uh you know stepping back and and 
doing the right things in order to stop it because particular interests continue to define the way humanity as a whole or social groups communities and states and governments move within the larger humanity it recognizes struggle as the normative principle of life struggle survival of the fittest and this can even be um, glorified if you have five different species in the same space and one of them has better qualities struggle will lead to the other four being eliminated and the species that has the higher qualities and quote-unquote that deserves to be there in the expense of the others will survive and rule the place so struggle then might be considered a good thing of course if you think of this from that materialist point of view struggle is a process that eliminates the weak and and highlights the strong and leaves the strong to live on so that existence overall can have a higher quality the problem of course is first we do not know um, which of those five species is fulfilling what function for the good food for the greater good of the space itself everything everything in the creation is created with a wisdom there's a wisdom in the creation of everything it serves a function in the larger reality in the big picture call it ecology right or you know call it uh, providence call it divine wisdom it doesn't matter the phenomenon that we are referring to is the same thing everything is created for a wisdom with a wisdom and serves a function in the ex in existence and everything needs everything everything is connected to one another struggle that will lead to the elimination of certain things then detracts from the whole even if you don't refer to a higher reality and morality that has its foundations in uh, in the ordainments of that higher reality this notion of struggle is absurd the survival of the fittest is absurd but again when you leave everything to materiality it is lower souls and the vain desires of the lower soul that rule and therefore because it is incapable of taking long-term interest seriously it will recognize struggle as the normative principle if i don't do it others will do it therefore i should do it if i don't steal the money from this bank somebody else is going to come and steal that is the that is how the system runs the whole thing is corrupt let's say if i don't give bribes to this official and take this thing somebody else will come and bribe him and take it therefore you know let me do it that's how most societies function now and i'm not talking about the west the east etc etc that's how most uh, you know societies where transparency is lacking function now and that is almost all muslim countries the problem here is that wisdom of philosophy entered entered the the thoughts the behaviors the philosophies 
of Ibn Muslims and other non-Western, non-Christian, uh, non-originally Europe, non-European nations, peoples, communities. It became the norm. It's even more dangerous. It takes factionalism and negative nationalism as the bond that holds communities to get together. And again, think about Ustad Nursi writing these things in the early 20th century, after World War I and before World War II. What a time period. Empires disintegrated as a result of nationalisms and in order to sort out the national borders, those nations that emerge out of empires fought bitter, bloody fights. And they have been continuing to fight ever since, but it was even more intense at that time. Communities of different beliefs, different ethnicities, different colors and races, etc., etc., that defined uh, you know, multi-ethnic, multi-confessional empires, such as the Habsburg Empire, such as Russia, such as the Ottoman Empire, they came apart. They came apart partly because their economies were, were failing, partly because these, their rulers made wrong decisions, partly because uh, you know, geopolitics played their role, partly because uh, England or Great Britain became too strong, incomparably, incomparably uh, stronger than others as a result of the industries, etc., that it developed, but also partly because this thing called factionalism and what is that he calls negative nationalism eat them up from inside. Negative nationalism is thinking that others are uh, lower, inferior in order to bond your own tribe, your own group, your, your own nation together. If you are uh, routing for team A, and there is a team B with which you have a you know long-lasting uh, rivalry. Let's say in, in soccer, the nationalism of team A is going to be defined as the as the slogan: "Team B sucks. Team B is inferior." The more you insult team B, the more you put a negative light on team B, the more for some reason the lower cells of those who identify with the team a come together and think of themselves as members of a group xenophobia xenophobia is an important product of of this think about the uh, anti-refugee sentiments in many parts of the world that are in the rise on the rise today it is the strongest where you have the least number of migrants but where also you have authoritarian regimes that try to manufacture consent for their misgovernment hungary has probably less than a hundred migrants germany has received probably close to a million migrants in the you know, past past years. The level of anti-migrant sentiments in Hungary is 
a hundred times more than the level of anti-migrant sentiments in Germany. This is a construct. This is being produced. This is being produced in order to, to achieve certain ends in the society, in order to induce certain forms of behavior in society. Negative nationalism, negative patriotism, negative factionalism, negative uh, devotion to religion. These are worms that eat us up from inside as societies. These divide us up. These lead to violence. These lead to struggle. Unnecessary struggle. Imaginary struggle that does not that does not serve the purpose of furthering, even furthering the interests of various uh, groups of people, various communities, but rather serves the function of furthering the interests of particular individuals, particular ruling elites within each society. We need to think seriously about these issues. These are not jokes. These are things that cause us our lives, livelihoods, comfort, happiness, and in some cases, otherworldly, uh, otherworldly salvation, salvation in the hereafter. Because while fighting for the greater interest of the nation, greater interest of this or that, and sometimes religion can be turned into a form of nationalism, while fighting for that, people eschew moral values. People eschew values and constraints that God has ordained. People eschew the Sharia. People eschew the, the commands of God in the name of religion and sometimes in the name of Islam. Isn't that how we ended up with things like Daesh, ISIS, whatever you are going to call it? Al-Qaeda, terrorism in the name of Islam. How, how, can, how, can, how can that even be a concept? How can there be terrorism in the name of Islam? Islam is a religion with a reference to a with reference to God as a source of higher morality and that God is merciful. How can how can you reconcile God's mercy with acts of terrorism? But people do it. Why? Out of negative nationalism. Because they turn Islam into some kind of a nation. And their Islam becomes reduced to Islamism. Nationalism of religion. Right? That has its source not in the Quran. It has its source in that materialist philosophy that defined the world sometime in the late 19th century on. We need, to, we need to be careful about the genealogies of our ideas and ideologies and the sentiments that those ideas and ideologies produce and the actions that they induce. Its fruit is to gratify the lower soul's vain desires and to increase humanity's needs. This is the this is the root of it. This is the fruit of it, and this is the root of it too. At the end of the day, right, the search for force, 
the search for the maximization of interest, the struggle and factionalism and negative nationalism and all that they bring at the individual level as at the individual level that is the uh, building blocks of society, right? All it are all geared towards uh, or are all locked to the objective target of gratifying the lower soul's vain desires, seeing that you are superior to those, being able to go and get what they have to use yourself. The, the notion of the desire to exploit others, the desire to you know lie back and have others work for you, the desire to benefit from the the labor of others to exploit the labor of others live from the labor of others the problem is and or well this is already a problem but another problem is that lower soul will never be satisfied the more you try to satisfy or gratify the lower soul's vain desires the more it will want therefore the more it is gratified the more the humanity's needs increase as individuals exploit the labor of others and accumulate vast amounts of wealth, they have to sit down and think about what they are going to do with that wealth. And what you do with that wealth, well, is limited. In the given world that we live in, you will try, now you will start to push boundaries. Let me do that too, let me do that too, let me do that too. This is not satisfying me any, any longer. It is like the adrenaline buildup. You do something that is exciting and and and uh, releases adrenaline in your uh, body, but after a point, the threshold of your adrenaline uh, tolerance increases, and what you are doing does not satisfy you any longer. You have to do something even more adrenaline producing, uh, even more dangerous, even more exciting. And then the same thing happens. The threshold keeps increasing and increasing and increasing. There was a time when people were. Uh, you know, now going back to the gratification of the lower soul, there was a time when people were happy to live, uh, sleep in, uh, in, in houses that had a roof. If you had a roof on top of yourself, that was perfect. You did not need mattresses. And I have seen people who think of a mattress as a strange thing. They, they an unnecessary, uh, you know, a comfort. They'll have one perhaps mattress in the house that is going to be spared for guests or that's going to be spared for perhaps there's an elder person in the house, but all the rest are going to just, you know, lie down some corner of the house, perhaps on a carpet, uh, you know, fold a jacket under their head. This is, the, this is the way that they normally live. And this used to be the norm for most human beings in most societies. But now the threshold has risen including myself we most of us most of i suppose the most of the people i suppose who are listening to this would not be able to sleep on the hard floor part of it is because we got so used to our bodies adjust and our bodies are not able to tolerate the hard floor if you were to sleep on hard floor perhaps for two years perhaps our bodies could adjust back to the hard floor and that could become comfortable for us too but the fact is that we are now used to mattresses. There was a time when if you lived far away from your loved ones, 
if somebody went that way once in a blue moon once in let's say five years uh, you, you you would send some news perhaps some gifts and that would be the word that would be worth the worlds for them or if they sent something to you that would be worth the worlds for you there was a time later on when postal services became a part of our lives we started to write letters and postcards and whatnot to each other perhaps send some gifts to each other right you send a letter and if you receive the response to that letter let's say after six months depending on where you lived and how far the distance was you would be happy there was a time when you know fast forward a bit a bit more when people started to be able to send telegraphs right you send some news to your loved ones that was a baby that was born and then you received the congratulations for the baby through a telegraph right it was okay and it was perfectly fine and it was actually quite uh, happy felicitous to receive news from your loved ones within a time span of let's say two months you would sit down and spend time writing those letters and putting your thoughts and emotions with your hand handwriting on paper and send it and this was a blissful thing to do now that we have internet we invented the email we invented social media whatsapp snapchat whatever you write to a friend and ask a question and if you don't re receive a response within let's say two hours you feel indignant the time span the expiration date of a response is shortened so much that it would have been absurd from the point of view of a person who lived a hundred years ago I'm not saying that this is bad there are many good things that uh, come out of this what I'm saying is the the more our desires the desires of our lower souls are gratified the more they want the more the definition of the normal includes gratifications of the lower soul and the more that happens the more our lower souls start to rule us as opposed to us ruling over our lower souls and again this is something that we need to be careful about we don't we don't want our lower souls to rule us we want to be able to rule our lower souls we want to give the bridles of our existence to our hearts and intellects not to our lower souls but that's what's happening Halbuki kuvvetin şeyini tecavüzdür. Menfaatin şeyini her arzuya kafi gelmediğinden üstünde boğuşmaktır. Düsturu cidalin şeyini çarpışmaktır. Unsuriyetin şeyini başkasını yutmakla beslenmek olduğundan tecavüzdür. İşte bu hikmettendir ki beşerin saadeti selbi olmuştur. And thus the characteristic of force is aggression. The characteristic of force is aggression. It is in its nature it is in it is its characteristic one who has force uses it maybe can have some restraint for a while but the restraint of one who has force will always be less than the restraint of one who does not have force unless that restraint is checked to the presence of a higher force a higher entity imagine it imagine it 
think of a you know, 150 pound man with a 200 pound man they are walking in the street perhaps on a dark night and they you know scrape shoulders and who is more likely to be apologetic of course there will be people who will be 250 pounds and will be apologetic and you know humble and so on and so forth that's not what i'm talking about i'm talking about the the the there are conceptions of what the average behavior is likely to be right the characteristic of force is aggression if you have an a-bomb you speak with a louder voice if you have an a-bomb you have a seat in the security council you have a permanent seat in the security council and of the united nations and a, a, a, a veto power if you don't if you have if you are a small country with five million people with a gdp that is a thousandth of the gdp of one of those stronger countries you don't have that maybe you have a vote yeah but you don't have much of the other powers you don't have powers in the executive branches of the community of community of nations that's how it works that is how things somehow settle when all all uh, pieces fall to their places since there isn't enough to fulfill every desire the characteristic of interest is fighting over it the way marx defined communism was that there would be so much abundance in that communist stage that in that uh, communist stage in history that people would not need to allocate resources it is like air if you are living imagine yourself living in a uh, in prairie where the air is clean etc etc before these environmental crises did anybody think of allocating air you you breathe you know two times more than i did today so you have to breathe two times less than me tomorrow no air is so much that nobody thinks of allocating it sunlight does anybody think of allocating uh, you know sunlight unless we are thinking about solar energy and the fields where you can put those solar panels etc that's not what i'm talking about on a bright day as you're walking in the street do you have fights with your neighbors over them using more of the sunlight no doesn't happen doesn't happen but this is this is these are exceptional there are so very few things that are so abundant that we do not need to allocate most things we need to allocate now the allocation can be fair or the allocation can be fought over the since there isn't enough to fulfill every desire right the characteristic of interest so if interest and not right is the standard that we are going to use in allocating resources then people will have to fight over it the characteristic of the principle of struggle is conflict that should be clear because if i struggle and you struggle we struggle against each other and we have conflict because it is based on nourishing oneself by swallowing others the characteristic of factionalism is aggression because it is based on nourishing oneself by swallowing others now 
there are win-win situations and we want to think about them and have them but they are few and even in win-win situations if the decision making process is left to the lower soul because it will never be satisfied it will want to win more than the other it will not consent to 50 50 it will want 55 to 45 even if 50 is more than what it needs the very desire to own sometimes meaningless desire to own to possess sometimes we we have things the function of it which is nothing beyond possession we have things to possess right that is the characteristic of the lower soul it wants to have more it wants to enjoy more it wants more more more right because this is the case because it is based on nourishing oneself by swallowing others the characteristic of factionalism factionalism is the what the lower soul does for the individual factionalism does it for society or for communities the characteristic of factionalism is aggression it needs to, to nourish itself by swallowing others it wants to have more than others it wants to have what others have and if there is enough to share or if it is a win-win situation it wants to have more than the others so it is because of this wisdom that the humanity has lost felicity again this is after world war one before world war two that horrible time period in human history which is leading from one horrible thing to another horrible thing may god protect us from the likes of those but frankly we are not living through very good times either um so what about the quran what about uh what the quran tells us is as uh, as an alternative um hikmeti kuraniye ise noktayı istinadı kuvvete bedel hakkı kabul eder gayede menfaate bedel fazilet ve rızayı ilahiyi kabul eder hayatta düsturu cidal yerine düsturu teabüğünü esas tutar cemaatlerinin rabıtalarında unsuriyet milliyet yerine rabıta idini ve sınıfi ve vatani kabul eder gayatı nevesat nefsaniyenin tecavüzatına set çekip ruhu maaliyata teşvik ve hissiyat ulviyesini tatmin eder ve insanı kemalat ve insanı kemalat insaniyeye sevk edip insan eder as for the quranic wisdom it accepts rights to be its point of reliance or reference as opposed to force as purpose it accepts virtue and divine pleasure as opposed to interest it takes the principle of mutual assistance as opposed to the principle of struggle as the foundation of life in bonding communities together instead of factionalism and nationality it accepts bonds of religion class and country its purposes limit the transgression of the vain desires of the lower soul encourage the spirit toward noble ideals satisfy its lofty emotions and directs human beings toward the perfections of humanity as for the quranic wisdom it accepts rights to be its point of reliance as opposed to force i have the force to take the the apple that you have in your hand but i know that it is your right 
and I'm going to restrain myself from taking it from you because again I know that it is your right that is defined by a higher reality that is beyond myself it may be our shared belief in uh, a, a better world when we agree together and think about our long-term interests it may be my willingness to to sacrifice my short-term interests for the perceived long-term interests or even better it may be belief in a higher reality that apple belongs to you if i take it from you by force that is robbery and i'm going to account account for it before god on the day of judgment and i fear his punishment i prefer to be deprived from the apple today to being deprived of his mercy in the hereafter rights as opposed to force as purpose so what do we want to achieve it accepts virtue and divine pleasure as opposed to interest yes it is to my interest to take the apple and eat because i am hungry but but i want virtue instead i want god's pleasure because i know that it is much worthier it just it is much more valuable than the satisfaction and satiation that the apple is going to give to me notice how reference to a higher entity is fixing things it takes the principle of mutual assistance as opposed to the principle of struggle as the foundation of life mutual assistance Think of this, think of what the Ansar and the Muhajirun did when the believers of uh, Mecca moved to Medina. Ansar were the helpless, Ansar were the residents of Medina who had accepted Islam, and Muhajirin were the migrants from Mecca. The Prophet matched them as uh, brothers. Each uh, member of the community of uh, migrants was matched by a member of the community of helpers and they became brothers they shared their houses the helpers invited the, the the migrants to their houses and shared their houses they gave them property they undertook their livelihood why did any of the ansar have any interest in dividing their house into half and giving one house to one of the migrants if if the only point of reference was interest and the material world etc etc no reference to no higher entity or thought or ideal no but but they knew that if they shared that house with their believing brother today god would give to them god would give to them palaces in paradise after one of the expeditions when the the the Muslim community acquired a lot of booty the Prophet asked the helpers asked the Ansar would you like me to give this booty to the migrants distributed among the migrants and release, release you from the duty of taking care of your migrant believing brothers or would you like to continue to take care of them and I'm going to distribute this equally among, among everybody they said oh Prophet distribute the booty among the migrants and don't take the responsibility 
of taking care of them from our shoulders we are happy with our brothers we want to continue to take care of them what makes them do this what what is the foundation of this mutual assistance yes the recognition that we are all together on this boat but if i think that i'm going to die before the boat reaches the final destination and while i'm on this boat i can make a better life for myself i can make life better for myself by exploiting others will i continue to to behave in in the in a mood of assistance or will i say you know, if i'm vile and i'm only thinking about my material interests or will i say well the boat has a long way to go and i can either be a master or a slave on this boat and i will choose to be a master where is a community of masters and slaves and where is a community of brothers we want a community of brothers and the way to achieve that is to not leave things to the lower soul but to refer to them each individual's relationship to and accountability before and hopes in a higher reality god in bonding communities together instead of factionalism and nationality it accepts bonds of religion class and country now bonds of religion class and country can also turn into sources of conflict but the trick here is religion class and country are real they are not imagined they are real and they do entail certain interests and rights and bonds if those bonds are used to construct others in a negative image they are not bonds of religion class and country anymore they are bonds of factionalism so i am muslim and i love my muslim brothers i'm going to uh, have a community with them i'm going to go to the mosque with them i'm going to break fast with them i'm going to do business with them i work in the same factory with that young man when he finds himself in a state of difficulty when he needs a little bit of financial assistance i'm going to give i'm going to loan him some money and i'm not going to ask for it back until it is time for him to be able to give it back and if i need i'm going to expect my fellow workers in this factory to do the same for me i am from the same village for that person we share genealogies we share certain images memories we share a certain space together right there is something that binds us together that bonds us together i'm going to to have company with him i'm going to seek his company and i'm going to offer my assistance to him however however this does not mean that i'm going to become enemies to the member of that other village if and when the member of my village has a conflict with the member of that other village without asking any questions just because he is my fellow village man no rights right it accepts rights to be its point of reliance as opposed to force it accepts virtue and divine pleasure as opposed to interest 
it is not the interest of my fellow villager or my interest in seeing my fellow villager to be elevated above others no it is divine pleasure it is rights i'm going to look at who has the right and who doesn't i'm not going to going to go into factionalism about this i'm not going to say well if he is my man i'm going to back him no questions asked no that's not it we are not going to fall into some kind of relativism and reduce people to to lonely individuals with by depriving them of of all sorts of communal bonds we will recognize bonds we are social human beings we are social beings we need community we need companionship we need the presence of other souls in our lives but this does not mean that we are going to turn that companionship into factionalism into struggle with other companies other communities we will be here as communities in order to engage one another know one another help one another we are not going to be here in order to fight with with one another in order to struggle with one another its purposes limit the transgressions of the vain desires and again this is the foundation of all one who conquers his lower desires his lower soul can do anything can do anything that is within the capacity of human beings its purposes limit the transgressions of the vain desires of the lower soul encourage the spirit toward noble ideals satisfy its lofty emotions satisfy its lofty emotions yes there is a satisfaction in taking the apple from your hand and eating it but there is also a satisfaction in seeing that it is your apple and you should eat it and seeing you eat your apple in making sure that my poor uh, fellow fellow village man is lifted up from poverty through my assistance even though that means that i am going to to uh, content myself with a little less than what i could have otherwise have its purposes limit the transgressions of the vain desires of the lower soul encourage the spirit toward noble ideals it makes people idealists not materialists not utilitarian individuals not seekers of interest but seekers of lofty emotions noble ideals and directs human beings toward the perfections of humanity perfections of humanity they become seekers of perfection and seekers of perfection can live with one another because perfection lies not in the aggrandizement of the self not in the um, aggregation of possessions it lies in being good citizens of the communities that we live in being helpful and kind and being good to one another doing good to one another hakkın şeyini ittifaktır faziletin şeyini tesanüttür düsturu teavünün şeyini birbirinin imdadına yetişmektir 
Dini şeyini uhuvvettir, incizaptır. Nefsi gemlemekle bağlamak, ruhu kemalata kamçılamakla serbest bırakmanın şeyini saadeti dareindir. The characteristic of rights is alliance. Agreement, working together. Once we recognize a structure in which we are all entitled to basic rights that will be satisfactory for our existence and dignity, and once we abide by the the requirements of that structure, recognizing rights of one another, then we can agree that we don't need to quarrel, we don't need to struggle for something. We can work together towards something better. But if you recognize force as the foundation of our society, then you know I'm stronger than you, I'll take it from you. And then one day there will be somebody who is stronger than me and he'll take, take it from me. While I'm taking it from you, you will try to find ways, means to become more powerful. And then one day when you are stronger than me, I got old, I lost my means, you are now stronger than me, you'll take it from me. No, that's not what you want. We want rights that are going to be permanent and designed and defined and put in place and protected in reference to higher realities, higher ideals. And the highest ideal, highest source of ideas and ideals, God. Who knows humanity? Who knows creation better than him? Who can ordain rules for the organization of humanity, society and the creation better than him? One who knows can organize better. The characteristic, characteristic of virtue is mutual alliance. The characteristic of the principle of mutual assistance is hastening to, to help one another in time of need. The characteristic of religion is solidarity and mutual attraction. Right? We want solidarity. We have solidarity among believers. Believers are mutually attracted to one another. But this does not mean once again that their attraction to one another translates into their repulsion from others or their aggression toward others. The characteristic of reining in and tethering the lower soul and urging and releasing the spirit free is felicity in both worlds. In this world, this is a happy state of being because we are living in the community of happy people who are safe and, and peaceful and look forward to a peaceful future, expect that their fellow men and women will do good for them, will avoid uh, doing harm to them even if that could in the short term mean uh, for them to increase their interest, maximize their interest. The characteristic of virtue is we will be living in a society where we are, where mutu we are mutually allied with one another. The characteristic of the principle of mutual assistance is hastening to help one another. If you are in need, I'm going to come to your help. If I'm in need, I'm going to expect you to come to my help. And I know that I will not be frustrated. I will not be disappointed. The characteristic of religion is solidarity and attraction. The characteristic of reining in and tethering the lower soul and urging and releasing the spirit free to, to fly toward higher ideals. It's happiness in this world 
and it is happiness in the hereafter because this is the wisdom that the Quran offers. The Quran is God's eternal speech. And if you follow the wisdom of the eternal speech, it takes you to eternity. It takes you to felicity in eternity. All right, inshallah, we will try to finish the 12th word in the next episode by going over the fourth foundation, which will be about the comparison of the, the Quran with other forms of divine speech and other forms of speech in general to establish its superiority, to establish its loftiness. Subhanaka la ilma lana illa ma allamtana innaka anta al-alimul hakim wa akhirad dawahum an alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin al-fatiha